Marketing can be an incredible force for good. It can also be complicated and confusing. I'm Erica Mills Barnhart, and I love marketing. On this podcast, I will share everything I know about it with you in the hopes of bringing clarity to the marketing chaos. Motivation is for the mind, inspiration is for the heart, and great marketing has both. So whatever your mission, if you want to make the most of it, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Marketing for Good. When you host a podcast, you have a hit, like a hit parade of dream guests. When you host a podcast on marketing, Guy Kawasaki is 100% going to be on that list. As you'll hear in this episode, he doesn't like terms like guru, visionary, or anything like that. But you know what? That's what Guy is when it comes to marketing. He's always a few steps ahead of everyone else. He doesn't try to get to a higher, better place on the curve that everyone else is playing on. He, j- he jumps to a whole new one. So initially, I reached out to Guy to see if he talked about personal brand as a force for good. And we ended up talking about that, as you'll hear. But also, we just talked about so many things that it ended up kind of sort of being a masterclass on modern day marketing with Guy Kawasaki. It wasn't the intention, but that's how it turned out. So rather than one long episode, I decided this conversation would be more digestible as a three-part miniseries. So part one, I'm still going to call personal brand as a force for good or not. (laughs) Part two, technology is a force for good or not. And then part three is about democratizing marketing and uh, shaping narratives. So when I asked Guy to come on the podcast, it was to talk about personal brand as a force for good. We didn't talk talk so much about that because Guy has some specific and strong opinions about personal brand, but have your ear tuned into how he thinks about or defines really personal brand. Basically, he thinks it's BS to build up, and here I'm air quoting personal brand, if you have nothing of value to offer the world. And I 100% agree with that. However, if you do have something to offer, as many listeners, if not all listeners of the show do, I think it's worth thinking through how you want to show up in person and online. So your message is heard in a way that feels authentic to you. And really, that's what Guy goes on to describe. So... We may have conflicting opinions about personal brand um, boiled down to how you define it, but it's, it's really interesting to hear from someone like him about how he makes choices about how to show up, particularly online, which is how most of us uh, experience him. He doesn't hold punches and guy, you know, he throws a lot of curveballs. Also, just a note, there is some swearing in this episode. So if you have little ones around, maybe listen to this uh, on headphones, they don't hear that. I hope you enjoyed this wild ride of a conversation as much as I did. Let's dig in. My guest today, tell me if this is accurate, is Chief Evangelist for Canva, Mm -hmm. creator and host of Remarkable People podcast. Mm -hmm. That's still going. Executive fellow of the Haas Business School, School of Business at UC Berkeley. True. Adjunct professor of the University of New South Wales. True. Was, past tense, chief evangelist of Apple. True. And trustee of Wikimedia Foundation. True. Has written, holy crow, wise guy, the art of the start, the art of start 2.0, the art of social media, enchantment, that's one of my favorites, and 11 other books. We could spend all of this just going over that. True. Okay, back to present tense. Has 1.4 million Twitter, Twitter followers, 93,600 yeah. Instagram followers, 
more than 3 million followers on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and more than 423,000 followers on Facebook. All of that's true, although I don't know what it means, but yeah, well, yeah, it could I be that half of that. them are Russian bots. So. <laughs> yeah, they could be, guy, but I don't think so. Well, I was first introduced to your special brand of magic um, 20 years ago at the social geez. enterprise. Uh-huh, yes. Oh. This, this conversation, unbeknownst to you, has been for me 20 years in the making when I saw you speak at the Social Enterprise Alliance in San Francisco. I have no idea what that was. <laughs> you were great. You were so great. So great. Okay. Here's uh, okay. how we're going to talk about personal brand, which means adjectives because adjectives describe nouns and you're a human and therefore you're a noun. I would describe you, my guest, as confident yet humble, techie yet human, curious yet respectful, and super nice well, definitely never being somebody's doormat. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. Okay, we're going to come back to it. You're going to be able to edit and offer input. Okay, let's talk about these fans and followers because that's it's just a lot. And I have a specific question, which is, do you manage all of these social media accounts? Yes and no. Someone else also posts for me, and I post too. I post the bulk of it. In fact, when you see a post that is highly political, highly opinionated, that's probably me. When you see something about productivity, entrepreneurship, marketing, and sales, that's probably Peg Fitzpatrick. Got it. Because it is a ton of content. It is a ton of content. It is a ton of content. And when I reached out to you, I said, will you come on and talk about using personal brand as a force for good? Because I literally was sitting here thinking, I, re- I want to talk. Every single listener manages a personal brand. For some, they were just like, oh, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Um, and yet here we are. Uh, and so you do. So I was thinking, like, who has been at this, you know, and can really offer some wisdom? And you came to mind immediately. And you're kind (laughs) and gracious enough to say, sure, I'll come in and talk about it. Let's do that. Well, okay. You may want to end the interview right now if you ask me what my opinion is of the concept of building a personal brand. I won't want to end the interview. I want to hear it. And listeners want to hear it. So I think that you should not even be thinking about, quote, unquote, your personal brand that you should just do whatever you do very well. And your personal brand will naturally fall from that, fall out from that. And it's the people who say, I need to enhance my personal brand. Maybe I should write a book. Maybe I should write a white paper. I need to position myself as a guru, as an expert, as an influencer. I think that's bullshit. And so if you want to take the extreme example, I don't think that Steve Jobs woke up one day in his life thinking, how do I enhance my personal brand? Steve Jobs woke up thinking, how do I build the world's greatest computer or phone or tablet or store or app store? Uh, I don't think he woke up thinking about how do I enhance the personal brand of Steve Jobs? And he did those things so well that the personal brand of Steve Jobs was great. So long and the short of it is, I don't worry about my personal brand per se. There are times where, you know, I would not support some causes such as, I don't know, carbon-based fuels or tobacco or Republicans, not necessarily in that order. So I worry about my brand in that sense, but I'm not sitting around thinking, oh, I got to make people think I'm smart and effective and blah, blah, blah. Okay. 
If I'm playing devil's advocate, though, I hear your point, by the way. But if I'm playing mm-hmm. devil's advocate, I could hear mm-hmm. a listener saying, that's right, guy, because you don't have to because you're Guy Kawasaki. Yeah, well, the the way I got to be Guy Kawasaki is not <laughs> wasting my time writing friggin' white papers. And, you know, I never wrote the book The Guy Way, published by Guy Press. Okay. So, uh, I. When somebody I, asks you, what do you do? What do you say? I mean, you're a multi hyphenate extraordinaire. What, yeah. What do you say? I say, I am the chief evangelist of Canva and the creator of the Remarkable People podcast. Okay. Leave it there. And over time, that evolves. And so, is it fair to say, based on what you've just said, mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning and you think, how can I best evangelize for Canva and how can I make remarkable people as remarkable as possible? Basically, yes. Yes. Oh, but I'm also a public speaker, so I have to worry about, you know, how do I get gigs and fulfill people's expectations of my speaking? So where does that fit in? Uh, in the sense of where does it fit in in my life, or my financial situation? <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask about your finances. Uh, no, just in terms of like, if we're sticking with this idea of like, don't worry about your personal brand, worry about being as good as you can be, as great as you can be Mm -hmm. at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Is public speaking a third thing? Do you think about that as much as evangelizing for Canva? I, (laughs) public speaking for me is a means to an end. And the end is the ability to give my family the lifestyle that they are expecting. <laughs> so it's, it's a means to an end. It's, it, it is not, I don't speak publicly to position myself as a thought leader. Got it. Okay. At all. And it is, I mean, if I never spoke again in public again, because I didn't need the money, I would be perfectly happy with that. I am completely okay with that. I don't need the attention. I don't need to you know, think about, and this is not because I don't need to do it because I don't need it anymore. I just, I don't have a psychological need for people to think I'm a guru or thought leader or visionary. Not at all. I don't give a shit. Um, fair. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you know, I think for a lot of people, you can go either way. Public speaking can be an ego, you know, stroking activity, or it can be means well, to an end. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll answer it a slightly different way that may shed more light upon the subject. I think that you should speak publicly, and I also think that you should write a book when you have something to say. And so it's not about what you want to communicate it's about what people want to hear yes and if you have something to say then speak and write a book but if it's just because you want to position yourself as a guru thought leader influencer or visionary it's total bullshit but you're vapid and don't have content so you're just creating content you're 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 anti that in the same way to the same same extent that you're pro getting vaccines yeah (laughs) That's a leap, but yeah, absolutely, yes. (laughs) Do you identify as an introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert? I I identify as an external extrovert who's forced into that role, but fundamentally I'm an introvert. I 
don't need the attention. I don't like to be in crowds. I'm also uh, deaf on my right side, so that makes it a pain in the ass to be in public situations because people talking to me on my right, I would never even hear, and they <laughs> they think I'm ignoring them. So if you know if I if I never went to another cocktail party, dinner, or reception, I would be perfectly mm-hmm. happy. The next big event in my life could be my funeral. I would be that would be fine. I bet people are surprised to hear that. I mean, I, I am a, I am exactly the same way, primarily introverted. And after I do speaking things, people, I, p- people often say, right, but it's easy for you because you're an extrovert. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. But to your point, I am so passionate about people understanding yeah. the power of words and how they can use them to lead more awesome lives and to make the world a better place. I'll stand up there and talk about that all day, every day, as long as anybody will let me. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to be really quiet for a really long time. <laughs> My <laughs> husband you, knows this. He's awesome. because so he'll be like, and, and I'm just going to be like, oh, but you know, I, I could build the case. I don't know the exact uh, definition of extroversion, but you can be on a stage in front of 10,000 people and not be, you know, and not, and not be trying to make 10,000 friends. Right. Oh, so the you technical know? definition of extroversion is where you get your energy from. And if it's oh. interacting with, with folks or not. But actually, I think that that supports your point, which is when you're up in front, especially like the bigger the crowd, the less there's actually connection in some ways, sometimes. Right. So you're not getting well, energy. Necessarily. I'm a complicated guy. I'm a complicated guy. Listen, so. If I were speaking to 50 people versus 10,000, I can honestly tell you that I find it more thrilling to speak to 10,000 than 50. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I think it's it's a greater challenge. Do you think it's greater? Why do you think it's greater? Because... I'm going to ask a leading question, but I'm going to ask an open-ended question. Because, well, first of all, so many people will be totally intimidated by 10,000 people. Like my sweet spot is about 1,000. From 1,000, you know, under 1,000, it's okay, but thousand plus is where it gets interesting and uh, i just like the challenge of it Mm -hmm. yep well you know people say all the time it seems like you love to teach and i say it's not that i love to teach i love seeing people learn Mm, there's a difference yeah and so for me it's like if i can't you know if it's big enough that the lights are down i can't see see who i'm communicating Mm -hmm. with and i'm Mm -hmm. in conversation with Mm -hmm. it loses a little magic sure I feel like a big crowd, don't get me wrong. But again, that's because the more people who understand like verbs are where it's at, the happier I am and the better the world is going to be. Okay. Okay. So let's not use the term personal brand because I don't want to give you like an eye tick every time I say that. (laughs) Okay. And that's not my goal. Let's say though, I mean, again, from my perspective, one of the reasons I reached out is you know, there are folks who I think it's very, you know, obvious. Angelina Jolie, you know, is an ambassador, like a UN ambassador. So there's yeah. like, you know, are folks who are really, you know, specific to a nonprofit. I think it's sort of the classic, like, oh, they're using, they're using their influence, their powers of enchantment for good in the world. I feel like yours is more nuanced, yet intentional. Like to me, Canva, that's democratizing design. Yeah. That is a hundred percent, of course, for good. But yours is just well, you said you're a complicated guy, so maybe this is part of the course. <laughs> How do you make those choices about, uh, yeah, about what about what you're going to be associated with, and evangelize and be an ambassador for uh, either formally or informally? First of all, I have to love what they do. So 
you know, could I be a brand evangelist for Lincoln Mercury? No. Matthew McConaughey can do it. But yeah, deep down inside, do you truly believe if you went to Matthew McConaughey's house that he's driving Lincoln's? Do you really believe that? I don't. <laughs> so I have to love the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not doing it for free, so there is some financial uh, reward. And well, but you've been you've been vocal about your feelings about vaccinations or not. Yeah, and about, I assume that these Pfizer's not paying you or whoever no, is no, paying no, you no, for no. those opinions, right? Oh, yeah, no, no, that is just well. It, I think it's just it's a moral responsibility, and and I will tell you that. There are very few quote unquote influencers and professional speakers, et cetera, et cetera, who have come out as strong anti Trump, pro vaccination, pro science, pro voter rights, and pro immigration. Most people won't touch that because they're afraid that, I don't know, the NRA was going to select Guy as a keynote speaker, but then he found out that he's pro-gun control, so they won't invite him, and that's going to cost him money. I could give a shit. I would rather, I do not want to go to my grave thinking, oh, I, I helped the NRA, and I helped the tobacco company, and I helped you know these people make the world a worse place. And yeah, there's a lot of people who say, well, God, you, know, you take a, such a strong stand, and you're antagonizing 50% of your followers. And that is simply not true, because my followers have self-selected. And so I doubt that there are very many evangelical QAnon people who are in your following? <laughs> my Twitter followers. Um, and, and you know what? I, I, I know this is some people think this is overly dramatic, but I really think that for a while it was like 1930 Germany in America. And we could have turned into a fascist state. I think we're closer than most people realize. And so a lot of people said, well, guy, you know, how come you're so anti-Trump? Uh, aren't you afraid of losing followers? Uh, LinkedIn and social media shouldn't be used for politics. It's about professional development and connections and blah, blah, blah. And my response to that is, well, in 1930, uh, I don't want to look back and say, oh, so, you know, I didn't resist Trump because I didn't want to lose followers. Right. It's freaking pathetic. That is pathetic. And so, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to antagonize people who might've hired me for a speaking gig because I was anti-Trump, pro-science, pro-vaccination, pro-voter rights, pro-LGBTQ rights, you know? I mean- um, now, again, as you point out, some people might say, well, God, it's okay for you because you're relatively, you've made it. You, you, know, you don't have to worry about your next paycheck, which is kind of true, but um, that, that's not why I cop this attitude. <laughs> I cop this attitude because I believe I have a moral obligation to resist this. And I don't want to go, I don't want my grandchildren to ask my kids, did grandpa resist when America almost became a fascist state? I don't want them to have to ask that question. I want them to know.
So now you have a sense for the one and only Guy Kawasaki. In the next episode, part two of this mini series, we turn our attention to technology. Guy is a techie through and through. And I always appreciate hearing what he's paying attention to, what he sees on the horizon, and of course, what's complete and utter BS that we shouldn't be giving any attention to. All that and more awaits you in part two of this series. I'm so excited for you to hear it. I will see you there. Thanks for listening to the Marketing for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about Claxon University, how to make more impact in and for your organization, or hiring me to speak or coach, go to klaxonmarketing.com or reach out at info at klaxonmarketing.com. Again, thanks for listening, and thanks for making our world a better place.